the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. We are here once again for your listening, hopefully, pleasure. Um, and uh, we're just, you know, here to do our show the way we do. It's show number 214. I am joined once again by listener Bev. From California. <clears throat> That's Hi. the one. Hello, everybody. And I'm apologizing in advance. I have a little bit of a scratchy throat, and I'm trying not to clear my throat on uh, the recording. We'll see how that works. Um, so hopefully everything works out okay with that. Yeah, well... Uh... That wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that you've been like nonstop traveling and visiting concerts and doing stuff with the family for like three days. You know, in the, the last three days, I went to two concerts in <clears throat> two different cities and uh, yelled at a horse today on the way home from the <laughs> concert. I yelled at a horse and made it take off running across the field. Oh, gee. Yeah, it was uh, amazing. But yeah, I do have a little bit of that scratchy, scratchy going on. So I apologize. Hopefully, if I do cough or, or clear my throat, it won't be right into the microphone and uh, causing everybody all sorts of problems <clears throat> as I clear my mic yes. right into the microphone. Right. Way to go. Right. Mess it up, Paul. Um, we are uh, your listening place for message, messes that get turned into messages. And we're going to talk about some stuff with that today with Bev. Uh, but before we do, I want to remind you that we are 100% listener supported. That means that any funding that we get comes from you listeners. And that means if you give us money, we get it. If you don't give us money, we don't get it. We're going to do the show no matter what, but it is a lot easier when we have ways to pay for things. And our topic of the show today is going to be talking about us going back into the prisons, which means that all of a sudden our ministry budget has just climbed because we have gas to pay for now with that. And that's part of what your um, giving goes to help for. It all goes to messed up ministries. And uh, we help get people into do ministry in the prisons. So hopefully that will be something that you would like to join us doing. If you would, there's a couple ways to do it. You can join our Patreon family by going to mess, <clears throat> messituppodcast.com and clicking on the Become a Patron button. Or you can text the word MUM to 760-WALLS-CA and uh, go through the uh, steps to give there. It will guide you through on either process uh, on how to take care of giving. If you do give, you become part of our Discord chat server family, so you can talk to other givers. You can become part of our uh, book club if you want to by uh, becoming a giver. And there's just all sorts of things we're trying to do to help commit or uh, connect people in the community of uh, Messed Up Ministries. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. Your dollars are tax deductible. Uh, when you do it through Patreon, Patreon keeps a little bit that we're not able to give you a tax deduction on, uh, but that winds up being about 8%. But uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can really make a difference. We have uh, several hundred listeners, so if everybody gave $1, that'd be several hundred dollars into the ministry each month, with which, which would really help to cover the cost to get missionaries into the prison. So we thank you in advance for your giving. We thank you uh, posthumously, not posthumously, but yeah, posthumously. But uh, well, however, after the fact, for those of you who are already on our giving family, so thanks, thanks, thanks for giving. If you want to reach the show, you can send me a text or uh, give me a phone call uh, on my phone unit at 760-608-1942. Or you can also send me an email at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. 
and uh, give us your show ideas or your thoughts or, or whatever it is. You can just uh, keep us in mind as you go through and do things on the show. I think that's all I have for that. Uh, is there anything that you think I might have left out, Bev? You know what? I never can think of anything. Oh, uh, well, excellent. Well, our word of the week this week is kind of a fun one. And I, I probably should have had this one more. Um, well, I guess I didn't need to have it more in, in, in at Christmas time. But I always think of this at Christmas time. The word is vespertine which is relating to or occurring or active in the evening. And we think about Vespers services, uh, the evening, and that always happens. Uh, Christmas Eve, you know, you have Vespers services. Uh, so Vespertine, if you can use that in your sentences this week, please go ahead and do so. And, and I want to give a little shout out right, right now to um, uh, Confessions of a Pineapple. Uh, Catherine Hobbs, who was on the show last week, if you didn't listen to last week's show, grab a box of tissue and listen. It's, it's one of my all-time faves. Um, she did a great job, but she used our word of the week on her um, posts on uh, social media uh, as she posted about being on the show. So way to go, Catherine. Make sure you're giving yourself those bonus points uh, for doing that. <clears throat> so anyhow, Vespertine is our word of the week, and I encourage you to use that. Get 10 bonus points every time you do. Make the world a better place through vocabulary. So, Bev, you and I had an awesome opportunity a couple weeks ago now, to go and visit the prison for the first time in 25 months. We were able to meet our new prison fellowship uh, field director and meet out at the prison and connect with the community resource manager there and get in, take a little tour for the, the uh, field director. And we actually ran into a couple of our Former students, uh, yes, to be did. current students, and it was well. Just tell the people your impressions of doing that. Well, I am. Uh, I'm not a person that gets all excited, jumping up and down, kind of thing, you know, about stuff. Uh, even if I go to a baseball game or a football game, or maybe occasionally hockey game, I might get a little excited. But usually, I'm I'm just kind of pretty still. But um, that particular I will day, say that you're right about that, but. It will surprise you to know, people, if a fight breaks out at a hockey game, Bev will make a little bit of noise. Yeah, right. Um, She's hey, not yelling, you know, punch him in the nose or anything like no, that. No, but I'm, I'm... But she'll cheer. I'm elbowing, elbowing you, saying, hey, look at those guys down there. They're taking off each other's shirt. They're yeah. pulling it over their heads. Getting all excited. Um, but anyway, I looked forward to last week so much that it, it feels to me like... Um, I experience the same thing when I'm going to visit a family member that I haven't seen in a while. You know, you hop mm -hmm. in the car and you drive across the country or whatever, and as you get close, those miles just seem to get longer and longer because it takes longer and longer to get there, you know. And that's how I felt was we're driving toward the prison. I saw it a long way off, and it was like, will we ever get there? And um, I had the same experience that I've had in the past, and that is... Um, I felt like I was home. And uh, it's the weirdest thing in the world to me to experience home in a prison because that would be the farthest thing from what I would ever think home would feel like to me. Yeah. yeah it was great. So yeah, exciting. It was, it was really neat to do. And it was, <clears throat> a home is a great word because it felt right being back in there. It just felt like, okay, this is what we're supposed to be doing. It was a, a revalidation of the call that I feel that 
I certainly have had to prison ministry and I can't say if you've had that call or not, but I know that you are definitely gifted and blessed and that the guys are blessed in having you be in there. So it was, it was really a neat experience. We knew we were going to be going in because <clears throat> I had talked to uh, Dennis, our new field director, and, and he had scheduled, he was coming from Las Vegas where he had done a wedding that weekend and was going to be going by the prison. So he arranged to meet with our community service manager who has also got the name Dennis, but she's, uh, that's her last name. Uh, so it got very confusing having Dennis and Dennis uh, in there. But what, what was your thought, Bev, when I told you that we were going to be able to go back in? What, what did you, what was your reaction to just that news of we're going to be able to go back in this week just for, not to do any ministry, but just for a visit and, and to check in? Absolutely uh, exciting. I, I, I don't have another word. I wish I had a stronger word than exciting. However, I will tell you, in addition to feeling excited, I feel like that um, the two years that we were out, I feel like God's been preparing me for this. Mm -hmm. um, you talked earlier about the call, you know, and I never really felt a call into prison ministry. Um, but I can tell you this, I just kept saying yes, yes, yes to God. And he just kept pushing and pushing me into where he wanted me to go. Right. And that's where I wound up. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like suddenly an angel, you know, <laughs> appeared and said, Bev, I'm putting you into the prison. You know, it wasn't like that at right. all. It was just like, I feel like I said after my mom died, I had new perspective on how little time I gave to the service of God and how selfish I could be with my time and whatever talents that I might have, even though they might be few. And let, let me yeah. jump in there real quick and, and say that your mother passed during COVID and we had been doing a prison ministry prior to that. You had been coming in with me for at least a half a year. So you had yeah. had a lot. It wasn't, it's not something that your mom passed away. You had a revelation and a, a feeling that you had to do this. So can you talk to me more about, about what the difference was? Because I feel like when you were doing it, you were, you seemed as though you were being blessed by it and really enjoying it. So can you talk to me about what the difference might be or help make me and the listeners understand that a little better, or are you not sure? I, I was really enjoying it, and I was being blessed by it. And the shock of my life was that uh, I thought I was going to bless them, and it turned out that they blessed me. Isn't it that, was, yeah. that's the, I mean, it, yeah. that right there, that we should push stop and let that be the episode, because that is so, so true. I never knew how obedience could bring to bring joy like that. I, mm -hmm. I just didn't know. Uh, you know, you don't always get a quick return for your service. And I think that that blessing that you're talking about, I think that that to me, I interpret that as validation of a call. That when I'm doing things that I'm called to do, I feel that blessing coming back in my direction more than when I'm doing obligatory stuff. Even though the obligatory stuff might be good, I don't feel as blessed, as uplifted, and whole as I feel when I do it because I'm doing it with or for a reason that that is just my, you know, a passion for me and a calling. 
Right. You know how I began to realize that it was a call in my life? Um, I don't remember your exact question, but how I knew that it was a call in my life was that I had this uh, opinion of prison that they were hopeless, mm-hmm. you know, dark, dank, dreary, depressing, dirty, you know, and from the first time I stepped in, even to the outside of the prison, I felt like I was hooked up to a joy machine and I was just getting <laughs> a, a constant surge, a pump of joy uh, <clears throat> into my, my body. It was unbelievable. And I know that had to just be the Holy Spirit because I didn't really say much to you about this, but I was riding on your coattails and I was afraid the first time that I walked in there because I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And it melted away immediately. And so I was trying to hide in your shadow. But what I found was I didn't need you to be that for me. I didn't need to be afraid. And, and I feel that, and I don't understand and I don't pretend and I don't even want to understand how God works. But it's it's kind of a chicken and an egg thing. It's like, okay, I definitely 100% feel called to prison ministry. I definitely 100% do not see myself doing prison ministry <laughs> if I had not been incarcerated. And so I don't know if that's a call that God put on my life after the fact or if he put a call on my life. I did things to make it so that doing it that way were going to be difficult. And he just, you know adjusted the sound so that it felt good after prison to do that. But it's just, to me, it's just such a God thing that it's like, all right, I I don't know. And if I spent much time, it would, you know, puff my brain into explosiveness. Yeah. I think that a lot of our life is um, built on testing the waters and then coming up with a formula for how much we should be doing this or that. For instance, you know, you see a new car, you have money in the bank, and you say, um, well, should I buy a new car? Well, I have the money, blah, blah, blah. I really like the car. Yeah, I think I'll buy it. But this is not measurable. This, this is not a measurable experience. It is, you can't, you can't say to a person who doesn't have a heart for the ministry, well, okay, if you walk in there and you feel comfortable shaking the hands of the men, then you're called. Or you can't say, uh, if you go in there and you're terrified of what's going on around you, you're not called. It's mm-hmm. not it's not black and white like that. And I don't know if I'm making sense, but no, all understand. that I'm saying is the Holy Spirit just has a way of stamping into my heart such, such love. Yes. I, it's just love. I, I mean, I would never walk up to any one of those inmates and say, hey, I just want you to know I love you. I can't do that. I'm, it's just not appropriate. But I feel so much love for them that mm-hmm. I feel like if one of them moved next door to me, I'd just be wanting to go over and have coffee with them every morning. You know, right. it's just they, right. um, and I, I don't know how God works either, Paul. I can't figure it out, but it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And yeah. I'm just excited and filled with joy at the prospect. And I see that, you know, I'm, I'm looking, we're here in the, the studio, I'm looking over the wall at the, the <laughs> license for ministry that 
I got from Pastor Dan this year, and the fact that he said, you know, I he saw it in my life. Yes. The things that I was seeing and feeling, and you know, that it was another just a, a validation that I, this is what I need to be doing. And it, it could be so easy, and for a lot of people, it was easy. After 25 months of being away, should be like, well, you know, that was a season in my life, and I did that, and maybe I'll do something else now. And that was not what I wanted. I, I knew that what I wanted was to stay obedient to the calling and to do it. And walking through that door um, and doing it and, and seeing it and, and, and hearing, it was just, it was very validating. It was, it was awesome to experience. Um, can you briefly tell them the story um, about the one inmate um, when we did come through the door? Uh, let, let me start the story and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, set okay. you up to tell okay. the good part. So when we went through, we were doing a, a tour of the facility uh, because um, our new field director just wanted to be familiar with that particular uh, facility. He had not been in that prison. And we also needed to get in. We haven't been in for 25 months. And when we left, we left our supplies there because we did not know that it would be 25 months until we were coming back. So we're getting ready to start up new programs and we're going to need to order books and Dennis asked me, hey, hey, what books do you need, Paul? And I was like, gosh, I don't even remember what I have. So we needed to get into our storage room in the facility so we could look at and get a book count of what we needed and, and what we didn't need. So there was, there was dual purpose. And as we're coming into the facility, you walk through what they call a sally port. And a sally port is where there's a, a, an electronic gate on one side, you walk in and then it closes so you're locked in a small containment area and then the other gate goes so you can move through. Um, if you think about watching a science fiction movie, the airlock on a, on a ship, so you, you get in there and, and that way you know everything doesn't go back and forth. So it, it, it makes it so that people can come into the prison but prisoners can't come out. There's, you know, there's always a locked door between. So as we went through, you go through one sally port, then you enter the main prison complex and there's another sally port that goes there and it has glass windows that you can see through. And as we're walking in the holding area between the two doors, we see a, a guard jog by from the right to the left. And we're going to be going to the right. So when guards are jogging in the direction you want to go, when jogs are guards are jogging in the prison, it's not good. Guards do not jog in prison mm -hmm. unless something has happened. That is just one of the rules of prison. Guards always walk. And so if they're jogging, that means they have to get somewhere quickly and that indicates to other staff that there's a problem. So it's, it's a visual clue, hey, be aware. So we see guards jogging and thankfully they're jogging from where we are going away from where we're going. So that means there's not a problem where we're planning on going. So when we get through, we go to where we're going and, and there was a, an issue that had happened um, in another part of the prison, but it, it instituted a lockdown of the entire facility and what that means is wherever the inmate was when the lockdown was called they stayed there so if they're at their workstation they have to stay at their workstation until all clear is called if they're at a class or or uh, some sort of program they stay there until all clear has been called so we went and did our inventory and we went to go see the chapel and there were some gentlemen who had been in the chapel when the lockdown occurred and so they were sitting and just uh, fellowshipping with each other. They, one of them had a guitar and they were kind of in a circle and there were some little groups uh, around the facility, you know, just chatting. And we came in 
and I'll let you pick it up from there. Okay, well, let me just set this up for you. Um, before I tell you the rest of the story, uh, I just want you to picture this in your mind. I want you to picture like a, maybe a four or a five-year-old waiting in this long line to see Santa, to go sit on his lap. And um, you know that the line is long and they're really excited and they try to make eye contact with Santa. And Santa's not looking their way. And uh, so keep that in mind, okay, as I tell you the rest of the story. So we open the doors to the chapel. We walk in, and without Paul and I even saying anything to each other, we're, we're kind of reading each other's mind. And I can imagine what's going through his mind is, do I know any of these guys? And, I, and I'm sure he can imagine the same thing going on in my mind. Do I remember any of these guys from the last time we are in here? And so we're kind of scanning the room, and all of a sudden— Right near the door where we're standing, we see this guy, and this is where I talked about the four or five-year-old waiting to see Santa. This guy, you have to picture, he's sitting down, he lifts up his hand, and from his elbow, he's just doing this frantic wave back and forth and back and forth, just like the kid's saying, hey, Santa, see me over here? I can't wait till I get up there on your knee. Well, that's what he was doing. And then we looked in the back of the room, and there's another guy, and he's elbowing the the inmate next to him and he's pointing and he's kind of like whispering in his ear telling him you know I know those people I know those people and I almost cried I had to really keep my my emotions in check because it just felt made me burst into tears well and the inmate that was waving to us and 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 I didn't think of Santa and whatnot I thought of going to the school pageant and the kid up on the stage and they see mom and dad in the <laughs> yeah. audience and, and give a wave. But yeah. the, the, yeah. the, the inmate who was waving, I, I just want you to picture a, a, a gentleman who is tattooed from his skull to his toenails. He is a walking tattoo and his tattoos are not artistic. They are mostly gang related tattoos. This is a gentleman who has lived a hard life and has seen some things and he is so excited to see us and, and is just waving. And it was just, like Beth said, it was it was so heartwarming. And and what I wanted to do is run over and oh, give him a hug. And yes. that's not allowed. It's not no, acceptable no. Um, in that setting for us to do that. But I was able to go over and talk and, and have a conversation. And they were just super, super excited. The chaplain was super, super excited to see us back and, and ready to offer programs. So... Um, it was really, it was just a, a, a really cool experience. Let me, let me just say one thing here to Paul, you know, when we, um, when we found out that we couldn't go back in, I was so heartbroken. And during the whole COVID thing, um, you know, life was hard for most everybody anyway, during that time, here was my fear. My fear was that I could not keep that flame burning. And I spent a lot of time praying you know, Lord, don't let me lose this love. You know, don't don't let me lose this flame that's burning and this caring for people that just don't have, you know, mm-hmm. just they're the have-nots. Um, and I really feared because some days I felt like, oh, I don't really want to do this. I, You know, I have my freedom now. I can get up in the morning when I want to, go to bed when I want to. I can watch TV when I want to. I can eat when I want to. And... You know, it just wasn't, I just was afraid. I was yeah. afraid that it would, it pass. But you know what? The Lord kept it so fresh in my heart. And I knew that when we walked in that day, all that just fell away. Yeah. And yeah. and if, if I 
am able to you know borrow from our song of the week. It's too good to not believe. <laughs> and uh, that's the song we're doing. This is uh, uh, Cody Carnes and Brandon Lake, a uh, song from them. It's called Too Good to Not Believe. And we're going to give you about 90 seconds of it. We'll be back on the other side of it to talk about the song and also to talk about what's coming up for us in ministry. So here's 90 seconds of Cody Carnes and Brandon Lake. You're the wonder-working God All the miracles I've seen Too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God And you heal because you love All the miracles we'll see You're too good to not Just the mention of your name can raise the dead. Bev, what do you think about that song? I so love this song. And uh, the reason why I love it is that it's really personal for me, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, uh, when he <laughs> That's starts, a good thing to do on a podcast. Oh, yeah, really. <laughs> when he starts listing the things that God has done that are too good to not believe, like we've seen cancer disappear. I don't know if the song actually played that part on your snippet. We won't know. Yeah. But um, anyway, if not, please make sure you listen to the whole song. But he starts off, we've seen cancer disappear, broken bodies healed, real life resurrections, mental health restored. And here's the part that's really personal. We've seen families reunited. We've seen prodigals return. And um, God did that and is doing that for our family, Paul. And... Um, I could never have imagined uh, thinking when we were walking through the darkest days of our life that um, that God would have had something for us that would be too good to to, to really not believe. It just um, didn't make sense at the time, but now I know I can truly trust Him because He is He's delivering what He promised and He keeps His promises. Yes, and that the part for me that hit me was right up near the beginning. Jesus, it's you. And that's something I try to keep at the front of my mind as I'm dealing with life, that it's not me. Because if it's me, I will look at it and say, hey, this is me. And that's why I, I try desperately to never pray for strength. Because if I get strength, then I'm like, check out what I did. Look at me. I'm so good. Mm. <clears throat> and it's so vitally important for me to remember that it's Jesus and <clears throat> that it's not Paul. It's all Jesus. And I'm apologizing for that uh, that clearing of the throat. 
uh, again. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just beautiful that, you know, the things that God, and, and it, it is, it's just one of the things like, it's so obvious. And that's something that I do pray for is like, Jesus, when you do this miracle, make it so, so insane that there's no way to explain it other than you, yeah. you know, that it's just obvious. It's, it's too good not to be you and too good not to be true. And it, I just love that concept. Yeah. Um, you know, God's ways are not our ways. Nope. And, um, Sometimes the way God operates, most of the time, it's so different than the way the world operates that it's hard for me to get my brain wrapped around. And I was just going back and listening uh, or looking at the lyrics and the line here that says, and there is beauty in what I can't understand. You know, that doesn't even make sense. That yeah. does not make sense because I know that things I don't understand can raise my stress to the point where they seem ugly. And well, and scary. that's the the thing that I always go back to that since I've been in recovery and leaning on God with my recovery and trusting Him for my strength to be my higher power, my true higher power, mm-hmm. higher than me, doing the providing of the power I have and I understand the peace that passes understanding yes. and the things that he does that I don't get, but I feel it and yeah. I know that it's him Yeah, and it gives me comfort. Yeah. It gives me peace. It gives me closure. Yeah. So great. Amen. Song. Yeah. Yeah. So, so check that one out. Um, and, and as always, you know, we give you 90 seconds, but go and listen to the whole thing and, and support music by, uh, by buying it. Um, and, um, uh, support these artists and, and go out and, you know, <clears throat> this weekend I went and saw live music and musicians don't make a lot of money from making a record anymore. They used to make their money from making records and now they make their music or their money by playing concerts because so many of us stream our music and the, the, the streaming company gets the record, the revenues, but the musician has to get tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of money or listens just to get a little bit of money. Uh, for their songs, so so buy some music. Go listen to, uh, go see a concert. Buy a T-shirt. Buy a, uh, a mm-hmm. some swag there at the show. Do something to support local musicians and, and live musicians. It's it's a wonderful thing. <clears throat> so we were talking about getting back into the prison, and it was just so awesome to be there and to see the looks of the men. And can you tell the people what what? <clears throat> Chaplain Brown told you about our visits and, and the five minutes that we might spend. Oh, gosh. I don't remember his exact words. I think you're going to have to fill in the blank. Cause I, I, okay, I, so, so I, Beth was, was talking with, with uh, Chaplain Brown, and we had an extended opportunity to talk because the lockdown gave us, you know, every, nobody had anywhere to go. Right. So we were able to talk, and he was relating that how important it is for us to come and how excited he is for us to come and just do just anything. And I see Beth shaking her head now, so I'm going I'm to yeah. bow out and let her finish her yeah, story. Yeah, I do remember it now. I don't know why that jogged my memory, but he said, I just want you to know that um, you, and he didn't mean me specific. He meant any, specifically, he meant any volunteer. He said, anyone that walks into the prison and spends just a few moments talking to any guy here on the inside, it's like five minutes for them of freedom where they feel like they're outside these walls. So powerful. Outside of these walls. Like, so it's their, their connection with the outside and that it punched me right in the gut. I I just thought, wow. And having been incarcerated, I agree with that sentiment 100% that, 
the people who came in and gave of themselves did so much to get me out of that situation yeah. and that uh, location. It, it, yeah. it put me out there doing the things that I wanted to do with my family, even though I couldn't do it with my family. It gave me a respite from what the prison was. <clears throat> when somebody shares something like that with me, I feel a real <clears throat> heavy responsibility to take the call of Christ really seriously. Yes. I, I, I can't I, I can't afford to just treat it frivolously or pretend it didn't happen. I mean, I feel like that is definitely a, a, a sign or whatever, an indication from God this is the way you're supposed to be walking. Get busy. Right. You know, do it. Yeah, so. and I look at that not not necessarily a sign. But like I said, a validation, a mm -hmm. validation of mm -hmm. the call and, and uh, mm -hmm. affirmation of what we're doing. Uh, so we're going to be going, you know, when we left the prison, we you know, told the community relations manage, manager that we were going to be ready to start um, working with classes again and to populate those classes. And so in the next couple of weeks here, um, we'll be back in... Uh, the prison doing those things. And, and this show comes out on May 10th, which is, um, as we're recording this, tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, hopefully by the end of May or definitely the beginning of June, we will be back um, multiple times each week at uh, that local prison and um, trying to work out another prison to get volunteers into. I, I heard from uh, our field resource or our field uh, director today about some uh, resources in that community where we are serving in the next community where we would like to serve of some potential volunteers. And, uh, you know, it's just exciting. And I've got hopes and dreams and visions. And uh, Dennis from Prison Fellowship has hopes and dreams and visions. And we're trying to get our hopes and dreams and visions connected and, and pulling in the same direction. And, and Bev, I know that you do as well. Can you share any of the thoughts that you have about coming back and, and doing what you would like to just yeah. anything? I, I'm going to start with something that may sound a little bit selfish, but um, hear me out anyway. So, you know, I went to a, a Bible college um, to get my, my um, degree, um, my teaching degree. And, um, of course, you know, we had to take Christian beliefs and we studied New Testament and Old Testament and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, I've forgotten all that. I can't remember very much of that. Very little of it. The history is not really embedded in my brain. But one of the things that I found was that on Thursdays, we went in on Thursday nights and we were doing the theology class, mm -hmm. you know, and it, taking deeper looks into... Um, the theology of, of God's word and all that, I was really interested. It really piqued my interest. And I wouldn't think that I would be the kind of person that would be interested in that. I wouldn't even pick up a book on theology. I think it would be too hard for me to understand it. Right. But the information is presented in such an awesome way. I really got sucked in. I really <laughs> didn't have much to say because most of the time we just wanted the guys to engage in you know, conversation and dialogue and sharing what they learned. You're talking now about the prison, not about being in college. Right, 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 right. Sorry, sorry. Um, but man, I was soaking all that in. And 
some of it was really deep, and it, but it was it was supporting and strengthening my walk. Yes, exactly. And, and so I'm curious to get back in there, and and I want to start again from the beginning because I didn't get to do it from the beginning. Right. And I just want to grow that way because um, I think I think the more knowledge we have about God's word, um, the more understanding we have. And um, I just, I'm excited about that. Well, and, you know, the first time we went in and, and did stuff with Prison Fellowship, uh, taught an academy, it was it was the first time I had taught an academy. And honestly, it was the first three-day academy that had ever been taught. I was, I was piloting a new idea for this. So we didn't know what we would, you know, experience with that and and we weren't exactly flying by the seat of our pants we had an idea and we had some philosophies and thoughts and I had years of classroom teaching experience and and practical teaching experience with celebrate recovery as well but the first time through anything you know there's, there's ropes to learn <clears throat> and so now it's, it is exciting doing it a second time because we'll understand like oh I know when I hit this point in the curriculum you know it, it looked great when I read through it but you know, when we put it into practice, you know, the, the guys didn't care for this as much, but boy, did they really like this there. And so we know where we can, you know, uh, you know, we need to give it some gas. We know where we might need to pump the brakes a little bit. And yeah. uh, so I'm excited to see how these classes will be the second time around. Yeah. I don't know if this is a dream or not. Maybe more of a a goal. I don't know. I don't even know if it's a goal. Let me share what it is and then maybe we can categorize it later. But I totally dig getting to read the papers that the men write. Oh, right. I love that. I mean, we've still got some of them, you know. Yes. And to go back and look at those, I swear, they are so, um, they just teach me a lot. They, they, they just tell me so much about... I, I find super interesting a life before Christ and a, and the changes of a life after Christ. Right. And I, I just love it. I used to love looking at the before and after pictures, mm-hmm. you know, people when they get their hair cut right, or right. have their makeup done or whatever, or their teeth fixed or whatever. And I just, I totally dig that, meeting these guys that are just kind of like sitting there with their arms crossed and they're not really engaged. And then all of a sudden... They start leaning in and listening to the lesson before they know it. They're producing a paper that just is so beautifully written and, and expresses the their I, love for Christ so yeah, deeply. I love the fact that they can get so deep with so little because yes, there it's college. The, the class that uh, Bev is referring to, her teacher class called Toomey, the Urban the Urban Ministry Institute, and it's college level class, but they don't have a college level no. library. No. They have their Bible that we give them. They have their textbook that we give them. And, and they have to dig deep. They, they don't have a wall of uh, concordances and commentaries and, you know, books. They, they just have to go deep with very little. And to watch a man write a paper of length, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, a student at a regular seminary would be digging a ditch with a shovel, and these guys are digging a ditch with a spoon. Yes. But the ditch winds up being the same. Yes. It's just the work that they have to do and the effort that they have to put into it is so different because they don't have that big shovel to dig with. It just proves that the Holy Spirit and, and God, 
he doesn't have favorites. Yeah. He lavishes his love on every one of us exactly the same and to the same degree. Uh, and uh, I just love that they're so incredibly grateful. Yeah. They're so grateful. And I'm excited to get reacquainted with some of our students that we had, and, and we'll be getting you know some of the same students back in Toomey. Our academy students are going to be all different because that's a one-year class, and, and we can't have them repeat that. But I can't wait to see who my next Ernie is. And, and Ernie was a, a student who came in and, and came to the class. He didn't want to, and his uh, celly, cellmate told him, you know what, he's an older fellow. He said, you know what, youngster, go to the class and see what it has to offer. If nothing else, it helps you to r- reduce your sentence mm-hmm. so that you'll go home just a little bit sooner and, and maybe you'll get something from it. And he came in um, as a, a vague believer. He didn't have any solid belief, but he was definitely not a practicing Christian. And um, he was going to be our keynote, our, our, mm-hmm. our valedictorian speaker yes. for our class. And his story just you know brought tears. When I read his, his testimony, it brought tears to my eyes. Yes. And uh, I can't wait to see that happen again and again and again. Well, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that one of the other things that just excites me is the thought that um, we're not here forever. We're here Mm -hmm. for a very short time. But what we're doing and what other people are doing as volunteers in the prison will go on and on into other generations that we'll probably never see. And it's not us that's doing it. We're just being used by God. But still... Our lives matter because we're allowing God to use us in a way to um, help men be successful. And we didn't go in looking to do something great or for something great to do. But what we did has been great because God provides the greatness. We I can't provide the greatness. And like I said in in the song, Jesus, it's you. And and when we add Jesus into our mix and into our program. He does the rest, and the Holy Spirit brings out the greatness in what's going on. And um, every human has that potential for greatness, and we just need to be there to coax that out with love and with Jesus. Yes, I remember having that conversation with you, Paul, right before I went in for the very first time. And I remember saying to you, I I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going (laughs) to do when I get in there? You know, I'm just going to sit like a bump on a log in a chair behind a desk oh, while you teach a class. Oh, what a wonderful bump you are. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And that's the first time I've been complimented that way that in my life. That was my favorite bump. Yeah, thank you. Um, but anyway, I remember walking in there and thinking, I have no skill. You know, yeah, I've been a teacher, but I'm probably not going to open my mouth in this class, not once. And and I remember you telling me, you know what, Bev, just your presence is going to be enough to tell these guys that you care. And before I knew it, I was talking with them like they were my best friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were sharing things with me and, um, they weren't sharing me personal stuff, but just stories that, that friends would share. Right. You know, and I felt like I was really a part of their life. And that I think that's when I really got sucked in, you know, it was like, I guess I can do something here. And that's such an important story. I'm so glad that you brought that up as we close that, you know, I don't know who you are, listener. I mean, I know some of you, but some of you I don't know. And you might not even know yourself. And you might be saying the same thing that Bev said. I don't have anything to offer. And I want to tell you that's a big load of hogwash from the enemy because you have you to offer. And it's, it's, 
it's not all about what you are going to do. It's about you doing something. Because like Reverend or Chaplain Brown said, being there takes them out. And and it doesn't have to be prison ministry, although it can be. Whatever ministry it is, if you're going and working at a uh, a soup um, kitchen, if you are working in a food bank, if you're working at a thrift store, if you are an usher at church, if you're just smiling, if you've got the smile ministry as your <laughs> gifting and you just smile at people and pass on some love, whatever it is, do that and do that with the love of Christ, and you're going to be doing great things. And it might not be for everybody. I mean, listen, if you're in the smile ministry, some people are going to be annoyed by you. That's just a right. given. But some other people are going to be blessed. And yes. and if you wait to find out who the blessed person is and only smile at them, you might miss that person because we just don't know. And if you want to know more about that idea, get my newest book, Piece by Piece, because that's the whole concept of that. Is we don't know who we need to minister to. We just need to go out there and minister, and people will will find that ministry. Right. I think there's some, so many people walk around who don't have any idea what they need. Their life is so deep and, and uh, tangled up and confusing, you know, that Satan is just going to say to them, hey, you know, I'm just going to keep you in this confused state forever. So they don't know what they need, but you don't know what you're offering to someone when you walk by and smile. Yeah. That's probably what they need more than anything. And you might not be the best at it. I, I think of yeah. Bev. Bev can crochet. I cannot crochet. But when Bev crochets, sometimes the yarn gets wadded into a <laughs> knot. And that's my job is to untie the knot. Now, me untying the knot does not make a blanket. But it allows Bev to make a blanket. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not making the blanket by doing it, but I'm helping it to be made. And you might not be know what you're offering, but you're offering something and you're doing something that somebody else might not be able to do, even though they do the glory work. Nobody has ever thanked me for untying the yarn so that Bev could make a blanket. Except for me. Yeah. But, but people will say thank you for the blanket. And yes. I am so okay with that. Yes. And what I would like you to do is just think about something that you might do that you could do not something that you're great at something that you're the best at that you have to be in charge of and just reach out there's there's this thing called the great google machine and you can find resources of how you can help out if you're interested in prison ministry and i pray that that might be you god bless you for that you can reach out to so many different ways you can reach out to celebrate recovery inside and get information about how to go into a local institution you can contact prison fellowship ministries and uh, just click on the little volunteer tab and it'll guide you through some simple questions and, and help get you on the list so that we can plug you in. You can send me an email at bowtieguy@messituppodcast.com or call or text 760-608-1942 and let me know that you are interested. And, and Bev has pointed to herself. I don't know what, yeah. I don't want to give away her personal information. No, Bev's I'm... social security number. <laughs> I was just going to say, you said, um, go out and find out where you can help. But you know what? I was too scared to do that. So instead, what I found was I just said the world's most dangerous prayer. Mm. Lord, use me wherever you want. And then what I did is I just looked for somebody in need. I just looked until I found somebody who had a need. And um, you don't have to look long. No, to you find don't. Someone who's in need. So, but what I'm, you know, my point is, you may not be able to. Sometimes I don't know myself well enough to say, "Hmm, I bet I could be a 
computer programmer. I bet I could be uh, this or that. I can't right. figure stuff out. Right. But what I can say is, Lord, here I am. Use me however you want. And then keep my eyes open and my ears open for what I need. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and our prayers open to that. And that is yes. that world's most dangerous prayer. And boy, I love that prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love seeing where that goes. Mm-hmm. And um, it's awesome. So if you want to get involved... Look around for resources or call me and I can, and, and even if you don't want to be involved in prison, you have no idea which, give me a call and let's just talk about yeah. it. Let's, let's just, you know, have a cup of coffee together over a, a phone call or in person or whatever and, and just see, you know, what, uh, what God might have in store for you. And that's just, that's super exciting to me. Hey, listen, um, like I said, we are going to be going into the prison and that does cost money if you want to help support our ministry. Messed Up Ministries um, is a nonprofit organization, so your donations are tax deductible, and you can do it in two ways. Our Patreon uh, is uh, can be found at messituppodcast.com. Uh, Click on the Become a Patron button, and it'll take you to our Patreon giving platform. Or you can text the word MUM to 760-WALLS-CA and help send Paul and Bev back to prison um, once again, and other ministry, uh, missionaries as well. Um, we really, really thank you so much for sticking with us and uh, doing all the, the fun things we're doing. Go back and listen to some of the old shows. If you are interested in prison ministry, go back and listen uh, to uh, show number 212 from April 26th, uh, and that's Joshua. He's one of our satisfied customers from uh, Prison Fellowship Inside and um, uh, Toomey and Prison Fellowships, or Prison Celebrate Recovery Inside and yes. Prison Fellowship and Toomey. So uh, check that one out. Um, also, um, check out uh, Catherine's interview oh, yes. last week. I think it's just so important. She oh. deals with infertility and uh, issues with that. And it's just a fantastically open, warm soul. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, check out her website, confessionsofapineapple.com. Um, and, uh, you know, get that, go and listen to that and, and share it with a lady in your life. Um, and that's just uh, super awesome to be able to do that. And it occurred to me that God gave me that interview and I had to change it around where it was on Mother's Day week. Oh, and wow. it's just like, how oh, fantastic wow. is that? So anyhow, thank you listeners for being here. I have uh, blathered on enough. I apologize for all the throat clearing. Hopefully next time we record, I will not be doing that. But we will definitely see you next time we mess it up. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess It Up.